SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, July 15th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. My main man, Kevin Walsh, is live and direct, giving us winners from the basement. It's July 15th, Kevin. It is payday, which means we've got more money to bet. So let's do it. We first start, Kev. In MLS, right, because the MLS is back tournament has gotten going. And I got to tell you something, Kev. Remember, it was like the Chicago Fire where this team that, you know, was moving groups we thought didn't have a shot. I played against them yesterday. Well, they put it in my eye yesterday. Seattle, the defending champs, got upset. You know, Chicago has this kid, Pineda, hit the decider in the 84th minute was this kid coming up from their system, and he delivers the game winner. The defending champs went down yesterday in the breakfast match. It was uh, it was a packed day yesterday in the MLS, and it was one of those things I realized when we got off because, um, you know, we were going through it, and I'm like, man, I, I like the favorites a little too much today. And lo and behold, Dane, I like the favorites yeah. a little bit too much yesterday. And though that game was something that I, was a little encouraging for me, is because I prefer uh, to see a little bit more goals. First game went over two and a half, as did the rest of them. So yeah. the, the scoring boots do seem to be on now. Yeah, absolutely. And there was scoring in the NYC Orlando game. Unfortunately, just not on the side that I wanted. You know, we didn't mention yesterday Maxi Morales, um, the stud kind of midfielder for NYC, you know, has a big injury. He's going to miss some time. You know, Kev. Obviously, I'm an NYC fan, so I know this. But Maxi led MLS, really, in assists. He's an all-star, a very big key to that offense. They, again, did not look good. And I got to tell you, they go down to Orlando. Orlando now with six points to kind of lead that group, along with Philly, that we'll talk about in a second. But on the NYC side, listen, they got a new head coach. Okay, Dominic Torrant left at the end of last season. This was a team that was an offensive juggernaut, was the one seed last year. They have not earned a point yet in this MLS season. They did finally get a goal, but they don't look right. And I'm starting to look at the new head coach, Ronnie Dyla. Well, you know, this is the thing. And I know because of the standard that they set themselves up for last year, you expect much better. To get off to a slow first two-game start way back when, right? you know, it was what it was. It was, of course, disappointing. Where are the goals? Then to come out here in a completely whole new scenario and one goal in two games and they've lost both games, I understand the frustration. Only four games under the belt, though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's, it's tough to go that far because I think then what you're saying, and sometimes it's okay, sometimes you do need to cut bait. And you need to realize a mistake was made. But, like, to, to already give up after 40 games, I think as a fan, right, more than acceptable. Because that's how, <clears throat> like, as a fan, like, you're like, listen, what in the world? We were fantastic. Thank you. So I'm allowed. We Thank scored. you. <laughs> yes. More, no, like, it's, but it's more than reasonable. Hey, it's reasonable. Like, sometimes people are like, oh, fans are so fickle. Like, dude, they got one goal in four games. They've not won yet. Like, of course right. you're going to be frustrated. But from the, from the top of this club, I do wonder if that, could be too quickly because then I start to wonder is then well how did this guy ever get the job if if four games is enough for you to move out unless that's mm-hmm. the standard that you're trying to set at your club that pretty much a four game losing streak is enough they were the job. one seed they're a championship contender they were I think the fourth odds to win this tournament I was expecting big things from this team and you know what Kev on each of these games like I can make an excuse if I wanted to. Right, like NYC in the beginning of the season was also playing in CONCACAF Champions League and prioritizing 11s for those, right? In their mm-hmm. first loss in this tournament, we talk about, oh, they had that 9 a.m. start, and that's real tough for people to understand right out of the gate. 
Now, last night, you know, they're, they're one of their captains, one of their keys, Maxi Morales, is injured. The impact of that. You know, I can make excuses. I just don't feel like doing so. But then a team that comes <laughs> looking up hot is the Philadelphia Union. They get a 2-1 win yesterday. And let me tell you something. This is a young squad, you know, with Philly. A lot of people were wondering, would they take that step forward? Are they going to be ready to shine? And after two games, they're at the top of the group, Group A, because of two very, um, you know, strong performances, including the victory over expansion into Miami last night. Here's what stands out to me, Dan, from those two results in Group A, I believe, uh, is where yep. these teams are playing in. Yep. In that both Philly and Orlando had the opportunity with a win and getting three points to right. push themselves into the next round to guarantee that is their future. Because as long as you're one of the top two teams, um, you know, third, there's some, depending on how right. things go, some of those teams that finish third can go through. But as long as you're top two, you're going to go through. And both teams took those opportunities. And that's something that I'm going to be curious of. Now, that's not going to always work that way, right? Because, you know, depending on how the group goes, there could be draws sure. in the first fixtures, right? Or, or your next matchup might be against the team that also won right. their first group stage match. But I'm just, if we see this again, just simply where you're playing a, 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 in a spot where if you win, you're locked. You're, you can lock it in. We saw those be the opportunities on the deck for both Orlando and Philly last night, and they took those opportunities. They made absolutely no mistakes about them. Uh, and they are both now the two first teams that'll be uh, locked in for the next round of this uh, MLS's back tournament. Yeah, absolutely. The Philadelphia Union and the host club Orlando will, in fact, make the knockout stage. Just to recap for everybody, remember, there are six groups, right? So the top two teams, uh, that makes 12 of the 16. So then also the four out of six best third place teams also will qualify for the knockout stage. If you think about it, Kevin, remember there are 24 teams now left in the tournament after FC Dallas and Nashville uh, withdrew or were kicked out because of their COVID kind of outbreak, right? So 16 of the 24 remaining, two thirds of them will make it to the knockout stage. Unfortunately, the odds are long right now for NYCFC to be one of them. Kev, there's only one game in the tournament tonight, kind of a standalone game. No breakfast game tonight, only one game on the slate. It is the Vancouver Whitecaps against the San Jose Earthquakes going on tonight, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Earthquakes are a big favorite. This is odd to me because with the three-way money lines, we usually even see a favorite at like, you know, plus 130, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, San Jose, big favorite, minus 140. They have a big-time pressing, attacking style. Uh, looks like the book thinks it may be too much for the Whitecaps to handle. Yeah, what's interesting here is I believe the Vancouver Whitecaps are the last team that yet to have a game under their belt in the MLS right. back tournament. They're the last one that are looking to get a game in. And we, we saw that play out yesterday with the Chicago Fire against the Seattle Sounders. Chicago Fire came away with the result and three points in that game. So that makes me hesitate off the jump in trying to back uh, the San Jose Earthquakes here. Where I'm interested in is the over two and a half goals. We're starting to see some movement here, Dane. Yesterday, right. every game got at least three goals in it. And I think we're seeing that in the lines. It's minus 140 for there to be over two and a half goals in this fixture. I think right now, you know, don't fix uh, if it's not broken. And the goals are coming now in this MLS's back tournament. Absolutely. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Maybe it is opening up as people not only get a... Um you know, kind of get back into the groove. But remember, this is a huge adjustment, right, for the players, for the coaches, for the teams that they are in this bubble, that they are, you know, kneeling at the beginning of games. You know, it's it's a lot to adjust to. And so maybe they're starting to make that adjustment. And like you said, the goals will come next. We also have matches going on across the pond. Kevin, I know you are plugged into the EPL, the Premier League. And, you know, at the top of the table, you got Man City. They are fresh off the kind of decision for Champions League going their way. They only got fined. They didn't get banned. And they are big-time favorites today against Bournemouth. I mean, minus 850 is huge. I know you don't necessarily love laying that kind of juice. So how are we playing this one, Kev? Yeah, this is a game, though, where I think we could see some goals again. We've talked about this game. Mm. Uh, you know, 
following soccer lines for a while, usually over three and a half. There's a lot of plus money in those markets. It's minus 134 today. City have really? won their last two fixtures 5 nothing. The both of them, they've won 5 nothing. Bournemouth has been involved in a couple of goal shootouts. Uh, two of their last three games, one was against United where they conceded five, also though uh, scored two of their own. And then another game against Leicester where they actually beat Leicester 4-1. So <laughs> those are big goal-scoring affairs against top clubs. Bournemouth is trying to fight off relegation. They're not going to be getting a win here today. That would be absolutely shocking. But they are going for it a bit. And when a club like Bournemouth goes for it against a team, especially a team like Manchester City, they might be rewarded with a goal, maybe even two, but they're going to concede four or five on the other side. So you can also continue right. to look throughout the goal prop market. There is over four and a half, which is plus 172. If you want a plus mm -hmm. number here, listen, you can get over this four and a half number just through City's goals alone. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of goals in this matchup between City and Bournemouth. Kev, would you ever, you know, because City is such a big favorite to win, would you ever try to put together uh, just the money line on City as a little boost to a parlay? You know, could you even get maybe an over two and a half if you want to be more conservative there and then add the Man City victory in there to maybe make it sound like around even money? Or is it like the same game parlay kind of issue? You know, I, I understand three and a half is still a lot, right? So maybe mm -hmm. you want to safe in there uh, to help your odds. It's it's a great point. The thing is, this game, Man, Man City parlayed with over two and a half goals. I, Dan, I don't think we've, we've seen a game where this would be the scenario. It's minus 266 Damn. on the parlay. On the parlay. Right. And that's because right. not only is Man City. So what City about three and a half in Man City? City? What about three and a half in Man City? Now, now that's then, you know, you, you can start talking a little bit and, and maybe you'll feel like it's it's digestible. And look, I will say this to you. The reason why I'm not mad at it is, Adding Man City in, I, I worry about saying this, but it does almost feel as if it's a free bet, right? You almost feel like it's it's fodder. I can just throw it in and nothing will go sure. wrong. It's minus 115 then if you parlay it. But for me, do I want to just throw it in? Because you know how that goes, though, so doesn't it sometimes, Dane? You mm -hmm. throw in what is supposed to be a lock yeah, of right. that game, the little no boost, doubt right, in your right, mind, right. and then all of a sudden the Dane Martinez draw special comes in and it's a three, three <laughs> fixture. Fair enough. That can always happen. We got some other games going on in England as well. The champions, Liverpool, they take on Arsenal. We got uh, Burnley in action, Newcastle, Tottenham. You see the odds right there up on the screen for all of these matchups on the early line. When we come back, though, after the break, we're going to turn our attention to round ball, the National Basketball Association. We have some news and notes there, and I think it impacts some of these over-unders, some of these lines, Kev. You and I will talk about it when we come back. We're off and running. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh waking up with you every morning, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m., getting you the early start, what you need, and how to make some money off of it. Kev, we turn our attention to the NBA. And listen, we're starting to hear news and notes about who's coming, who's okay. You know, we heard Russell Westbrook test positive, but he is going to rejoin his team. James Harden rejoined his team. But I've got news on another guard that is going to leave his team. Oklahoma City Thunder guard uh, Dennis Schroeder has said, listen, and this is now becoming popular, Kevin, you know, as a common reason, his wife is pregnant. His wife is going to have a child in about three to four weeks. That puts it right around the beginning of the season, right around in that play-in time. Oklahoma City is pretty much locked into the playoffs, so it could be into the first round of the playoffs, you know, whatever the protocol rejoin the team after doing that time with his family. I don't blame him, right? But what do you think is the impact here for the Thunder losing one of their guards? 
Yeah, so for those that don't know about how important Dennis Schroeder has been, he is the odds-on favorite, around minus 190, to be sixth man of the year. Yes, that's over mm. Montrez Harrell, and yes, that's over Lou Will. Oh, my boy. That's how, that's how good, though, Dennis Schroeder has been for this basketball team, how important he has been for this basketball team. Now, when we look to the immediate markets, I think win totals, I think that first game against the Utah Jazz. But I don't know if this will, on the time frame, impact their win total, which is over uh, three and a half is at a minus 145. And then you look Mm -hmm. at that first game where they're playing the Utah Jazz. The Jazz uh, are one-point dogs, but they were one-point favorites. So the Thunder have now found themselves being listed as favorites. And again, I think based on the timeline that we're being given here, Dane, Dennis Schroeder should be available for all of that. Where you can keep this in mind is if you were thinking about maybe going out there and shopping in the futures market for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And honestly, I do understand why that might be something that could be attractive for some people. I mean, they Hmm. are sat there at 35-1 to to come out of the West. Now, the thought process in that bet would, I think, be looking to hedge if they ended up in that conference championship game. And you're hoping that Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and, you know, how incredible this team has been and maybe there's wild variants there. You need all of this to come into your favor. I would argue to you that if Dennis Schroeder is going to be gone from this team by, you know, a month out, I believe August 15th might be when the either the playing games or the first round of the playoffs is supposed to start. It's a tough spot for the Thunder if they're going to try to do that and move forward without Dennis Schroeder on their side. So I would now, anybody who's looking to go for some long shots in the NBA futures market, I would be a little bit uh, less bullish on an OKC team. All right, fair enough. You did mention that their win total for the eight games is three and a half, right? But Mm -hmm. to be clear, given the timeline, right, and we're hearing three or four weeks, that would put it probably in the first or second week of August, meaning they may get through those eight games with, you know, Schroeder still being available for the Thunder. We're hearing in about three or four weeks, you know, these things are fluid things to say the least. Also, you know, it's funny, Kev, you know, Michael Beasley, was someone that the Nets signed in this transaction window because the Nets had so many other players, right? Either opt out or test positive or are taking a stand for one other reason. And now Michael Beasley himself has tested positive for coronavirus. So I don't know if this means he's going to be quarantined. He might be replaced. Um, Obviously, he's your favorite basketball player's favorite basketball player. But the question (laughs) is, what kind of impact does he have on the Brooklyn Nets, wasn't this one of the teams that almost like didn't have a line up, didn't have win totals up, or have a very low win total for the eight games in the restart? We actually still don't have a Brooklyn Nets win total. Yep. It speaks to their, their the uncertainty of this team. Now, I would have to argue that Mike Beasley's absence or presence is not really going to matter to me. I actually saw something. I think he actually might have been suspended for like five of the eight games. That and like <laughs> it was almost as if the Nets were doing him a favor and getting some of those suspension games out of the way for him. I don't know how much Mike Beasley would have tipped the scales for this team, but it just goes to show, you know, we actually we never really I wanted to make this point to you, Dan. We were talking about what happens if there's an FC Dallas in the NBA. Right. right? If I were the Brooklyn Nets argue to you that the Brooklyn Yeah, I would almost make that argument to you. Now, the difference is, you know, the COVID the, the positive test came before entering the bubble. They got out in front of it. There wasn't right. an outbreak. There's been some bad luck there, right? In that Michael Beasley was not around DeAndre Jordan or Spencer Dinwiddie. Certainly, you would think that the D- Jordan-Dinwiddie uh, situation was connected. But this is the Brooklyn Nets. I don't want to say cursed, but they certainly seem to be the team that is having the worst luck of any that are looking for this restart. They are six-point dogs to the Orlando Magic, Dane. That line mm. opened with them being two-point favorites. Eight-point swing. Wow. And we are not even, you know, we're still two weeks away from this right. game being played. A lot of stuff can happen in two weeks. You know, there's even a universe where it swings back the other way because Orlando suffers, you know, some some uh, casualties of testing or the like. So and obviously Brooklyn is not necessarily a team that we are focused on in the long term. But, Kev, as we talk about the East, Right. We talk about Milwaukee. Can they be had? We give credit to Toronto for, you know, what they are capable of. But we have zoned in on those other four teams, right, Kev, that are in seats three through six. And we think are solid teams that can make hey, Those teams are Miami, 
Boston, Philadelphia, and the Indiana Pacers, even though they are now standing at 32 to 1 to win the Eastern Conference, a big gap from the five, uh, the fifth best odds of Miami at 10 to 1. But their star is Victor Oladipo, and Victor Oladipo has had uncertainty. Remember, he's rehabbing. He also has the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And over the last couple of weeks, we've said he's not going to play. He is going to play. He's not going to play. Now it looks like he may. But, Kevin, you also are starting to understand some of the reasons behind why he is going to play. And as usual, it all comes down to money. Yeah, so Victor Oladipo made this decision to sit out. I thought it made all the sense in the world. Then uh, we heard that he was thinking about coming back. And I said, wow, what a great sign this is for the Indiana Pacers. There was some uncertainty about the relationship, I think you could say, between both him and the Pacers because that decision for him to opt out they found out when you and I found out, Dane, when Shams tweeted out the news. So him coming back, we were both kind of saying, oh, that's a positive sign. Looks like maybe they've right. sorted, uh, you know, tried to figure some things out. Not the case. Hmm. Right now, there is a question marks around whether Victor Oladipo will be getting his $3 million, his remaining $3 million on his contract for this season. Now, the tricky spot here is that the Pacers are willing to pay him despite the fact that he has opted out. And yes, that is a good sign, a, a good showing of faith there from the Indiana Pacers. They're doing right by their star player, and that's awesome from, from them. The problem here is the league is arguing they don't want to set a precedent, and they are now trying to withhold Victor Oladipo's $3 million in fear that this could set a bad precedent. The reason I do believe this is important, though, Dane, is for long-term, I would tell you then that this means the relationship of the Pacers and Victor Oladipo, I cannot argue to you, is fixed because this is something that's being right. driven entirely by money. The short-term gambling impacts of this story, if Victor Oladipo is only playing to secure those $3 million, and he says to himself, you know what, I'm healthy, fine, he's still not going to go out there and play eight games. Absolutely not. And then you see in four games, at most, and I think okay. the minutes stay around 20 or so a game. I think it might then continue to throw their rotations off. I don't know what that looks like. I think hmm. it's going to almost be a little uncomfortable for the team. They were five-point dogs to the Philadelphia 76ers. The Oladipo news comes out. They are now four-point dogs to the 76ers. If we get official word that he is back, I think we could see this line get down to maybe three maybe two and a half even, I would then push people to bet on the 76ers because I do not know how much we're going to actually be seeing Victor Oladipo despite the fact that it seems like because of money he's going to be playing in these games. Yeah, and that certainly moves the needle. You know, Kev, I also look to the Pacers' win total over the eight games, and it stands at four and a half. But I want to let all of our kind of listeners and fans know, over on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Kev, what does it mean? The under four and a half, you ready for this, has juice of minus 165. So to me, that means that that four and a half is very soon potentially going to change to four. Okay, so if you want that half right then and there, go get it now. That's what we do here. We give you the information bright and early in the morning. You know, Kev, we don't talk much about the WNBA but this was a story that I think needs to be discussed, okay? The MVP of the WNBA, Elena Deladon, who is on the Washington Mystics, the favorite to win the WNBA championship, she's got Lyme's disease, okay? And so she, in essence, applied for, like, the medical opt-out, which we know can happen. And, like, she's diagnosed with this. It's a real thing. She's had it for years, okay? And guess what? The WNBA rejected her appeal, okay? Usually saying the CDC, it wasn't on their guidelines, what have you. So now the league doctors are saying different things than Elena Deladon's doctors, and she is now in a very interesting position coming down to money, a la Victor Oladipo. She either has to trust her own doctor and the idea that this is risky for her and her health, but she would then forego her salary this year, or... Ignore her own doctor, ignore the risk that is more present for her because she has Lyme's disease as a high-risk individual to just go and earn that money. 
horrible choice for Elena Deladon. And you talk about pres- precedent being set. This is an interesting precedent to me when the league's doctors are in conflict with personal doctors. Yeah, I do think that some of the blame might fall here on the CDC. I'm, I, I understand how the panel of physicians might say, look, so we're going off of the CDC recommended list that talks about diseases that could have underlying conditions. I understand how that could be possible. I more than understand why Elena Deladon's uh, doctor has been, you know, with her forever, right, and, and has been, you know, treating her Lyme disease, says, this is, no, do not be going. I totally understand that. What I think we see because of pushback here is I do think the WNBA will step in and say, and make that announcement. The problem is, I don't know if it's the WNBA's call or if it's right. the Washington Mystics call who have to step in, because I don't think the WNBA can step in and tell the Mystics they need to pay a Deladon even if she stays home. But I think right. something will get done here. There's, they're starting to, the backlash is starting to increase, even from our <laughs> teammates on the Washington Mystics. Yeah, I mean, remember we thought this when it was like NBA head coaches, and how can the league say no or yes? It's a very interesting situation. And remember, the Mystics are the favorites, and Elena Deladon is the league MVP. It gets no higher stakes than that. In the WNBA, when we come back, we turn our attention to Major League Baseball. A two-time Cy Young Award winner left the game early. Uh-oh, come on back. Early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line. We are giving you the edge on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my man Kevin Walsh live and direct, giving you leans from the basement every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Kev, we look at Major League Baseball, right? And uh, you know that I have been bullish on the Mets. I think they have the characteristics to um, do well in this shortened season and a lot of that is tied into the truest ace in major league baseball the two-time defending nl cy young award winner jacob Degrom. mets fans earmuffs right now apparently he left his uh kind of start in the inter-squad game after only one inning of work kev due to back tightness that is not the kind of injury you want to hear about those are the kinds of things that linger. And by the way, as you know, Kev, this man is probably only going to make about 10, 11, or 12 starts. Mm-hmm. And if he's dealing with something now and gets compromised and loses a couple or has to go on the DL, that's something like a quarter of his season right away. Kev, talk to me. How big of an impact is this? I mean, DeGrom is literally the favorite again to win his third straight Cy Young. What does this mean for DeGrom? And what does this mean for the Mets? What does this mean for that entire NL East, which we have talked about, is packed real tight at the top? I would say Jacob DeGrom is one of the most important players in all of baseball, right? Agreed. You you said that the Mets have one of the, what was it, five best rotations in the National League, right? I'm yep. trying to, somewhere in that yeah, range. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm not going to come on here because I'm not a bozo and be like, ha ha, you were wrong. No, that's bananas. You're making, you're talking about all that with DeGrom being involved, right? The, mm-hmm. the reason why I am hesitant on this team is the fact that if DeGrom was pulled out, they then have what would, well, I think for a lot of people would be a bottom tier rotation. Now, again, you're, we're working off the idea that their best players are going to be available, but Jacob DeGrom being in this rotation makes all of the other starters look so much better and way more comfortable with where they're slotted in the one, two, three, four, five positioning that it dings up the whole team. And I think, and because of the things that you, um, very, you know, you mentioned that are very, very important. If he misses two starts, you might say, "Ah, what's two starts in this type of season. It's everything. Because if then all of a sudden, when he gets back into the fold and his first two starts, 
only four inning games. He's right. basically now lost four of 12 starts. That's a third of Jacob DeGrom's yeah. regular season production potentially down the drain. We do not know the severity. The Mets, to this point, have been very tight-lipped on what's going to happen. But, of course, the Cy Young market drastically changes. And you and I have talked about this. I wouldn't be playing Jacob DeGrom in the Cy Young market anyway because I'm not sure if the starting pitchers are really the way to go, which Mm -hmm. sounds so crazy to say about Cy Youngs. But, you know, that's just kind of something that you and I have been uh, workshopping a bit. But, I mean, Jacob DeGrom, to this team's win total, is he worth two full wins? It's tough to say because he's a pitcher. He's only going to appear in X amount of games. But it, it feels like it. It's a trickle down effect that you maybe wouldn't feel with yeah. as with a lot of starting pitchers in this league. Remember also, Kev, that the the Mets have already had that trickle down effect happen with Noah Syndergaard being yep. out, right? And that's yep. what pushed already say whether you had Stroman ahead of Syndergaard or not, or Mats, for example. You know, Stroman and Mats have already been pushed up one slot. If Degrom is missed, then that's their one and two. You know, in the offseason, they sign guys like Michael Waka who I think is more of an innings eater. Uh, Rick Porcello, who despite winning a Cy Young Award with the Bo Sox is in the same kind of category, those guys would bump up as well. Now, let's not go too crazy, right? We hope he is still okay. There are still about two weeks until opening day, so this could be them just being caution, you know, and, and, and um, you know, hoping that he can rest up and still make this opening day start. But I am with you, and I would go so far as to say that Listen, if the Mets are going to go where we think, or at least I think, is possible, right, they need to go like 10-2 and in Jacob DeGrom starts. And if DeGrom is not making those starts, right, they go 6-6 and maybe instead, right? So absolutely, I think he is worth that amount of wins for the New York Metropolitans, one of the biggest characters in Major League Baseball. We'll have a team this year, Kevin, Da Puig. It looks like Yasiel Puig. And all of his antics and all of his arm are going to sign with the Atlanta Braves. And this is interesting to me, Kev, because, again, we've talked about the NL East. We know that the Mets, if there's no DeGrom, that certainly hurts. But the Braves were a team that I thought have been impacted by COVID, right? Marcakis decided to opt out. Um, Freddie Freeman is symptomatic, and we don't know the long-term effects for him to get back into playing shape. That's, you know... That's thunder in the middle of that lineup. They have Marcelo Zuno, who they signed, but getting Puig back, you know, how much of that impact, if Marquecas is gone, if Freeman is not ready to roll, you know, is mitigated by bringing in Puig into the fold to, you know, add with guys like Ozuna, of course, Acuna and Albies as well. Yeah, I think you could argue that, you know, in, in maybe in, in different ways, right? Because you mentioned the arm with Puig. Is he as good a hitter as? Marquez, it depends on the day with Yasiel right. Puig. Different kinds I'll of tell you this. Marquez is more the professional hitter, the contact hitter. Mm-hmm. The guy, you know, Puig is more of that three true outcomes, right? Yes, but I think him bringing some extra pop is important because Josh Donaldson is now not with this team who was fantastic for them last year in that regard. I'll say this about the game. Yasiel Puig is one of my favorite players in the league. I'm all about having fun. He's one of my favorite players in the league. And I talked about it. I'm not sure about this Braves team, right? Because we're low on the Braves and the Nats. Um, um, I can't fade the Braves. Ow. Now we also have Puig there. I'm going to be rooting for another <laughs> game. It, it, would be, it would be almost sacrilegious. So we're going to remain out on the Washington Nationals. But I'm hesitant on the Braves. Because also, in all seriousness, something we spoke a little bit about yesterday, because Kenley Jansen had uh, a symptomatic nature of COVID, right. has now returned back with the Dodgers. Now, severity can vary. And it might seem like Freddie Freeman is maybe dealing with a little bit more of a severe case than, say, Kelly, uh, than, than Jansen was. Jansen. But if Freddie Freeman is back, and now Yasiel Puig is going to come in and fill the void that Nick Markakis was going to leave, well, that 2-1 to one number that they are listed at to win the NL East starts to feel a little bit more justified. And you can look to Ronald Ocuna and Ozzie Albies uh, and, and these guys to make them one of the best lineups in baseball like they were supposed to be. So I think this Yasio Puig uh, signing actually is a pretty big deal and kind of can help put those puzzle pieces back together. Yeah, definitely lessening some of the uh, impact of guys like Marquecas and maybe not 
a fully 100% Freddie Freeman whenever he does come back from his symptomatic case of coronavirus. You know, we talked about the NL Central a little bit yesterday, mm-hmm. Kevin, and I looked at the NL Central. The Cubs and the Reds are co-favorites at plus 230, right? Then the Cardinals are right behind them at plus 240. This is stacked with three teams right there, literally within 10 cents of each other. And I bring that up to ask you about the impact of this next piece of news that we heard yesterday. Cardinals closer and straight fireballer Jordan Hicks is the latest to opt out of the 2020 season. He's citing his own health. The man has diabetes. He's supposed to be the closer for this team. And we've talked about the impact and the importance of the bullpen in this shortened season, right? With the NL Central, and we're going to talk about them more a little bit later on this week. This is another one where pick a horse, right? Just like the NL East. So now their closer, a dominant closer, triple digits on his fastball regularly. He is opting out. What does this mean for the St. Louis Cardinals and that NL Central race, Kev? The Cardinals, the Reds, and the Cubs were all very close together. Is this news by itself enough for you to have the Cardinals fall down a tier in the NL Central? You know, when you're looking at teams that are this close, Cubs and Reds plus 230. The both of them plus 230 to win the Central. Then the Cardinals yep. are plus 240, right? When you're looking at teams that are this close, yes, something like Jordan Hicks could be enough to completely push you in an opposite direction. The thing about the Jordan Hicks opt-out, though, that I, I started to think about a little bit more, Dane, is what this, like, when are we going to get to the point where we know that players are no longer opting out? And I know people can leave mid-season, right? Whether it, you know, if we've, we've heard some people talk about um, some of their wives who are expecting, we, right. you know, we've heard those type of conversations. But remember how we kind of had that, that NBA date, right? We had an idea had to like declare when the, yeah, when they would declare or not. And I just, not that I thought it was over, but it was almost a reminder to me that it's not only not over, but we actually don't know when that's supposed to be, right? Because I think some of the, the futures market out there uh, for baseball is attractive, but you do try and hold off a bit, right, Dane, until you get final word, until right. you like, no, okay, this is the 60 I'm showing up with at least. And I just don't know what, I don't know if there is a time frame for that. I don't think there is, Kev. And here's the other wrinkle I'll put for you. Unlike the NBA, where you talked about this, where there was the declaration day, right? And that was like, am I going to Orlando? Am I going into the bubble? For me, the other huge wrinkle in this for baseball, Kev, is as you know, there is no bubble. As you know, these teams will be traveling from market to market, from state to state, right? And with different curves. I actually think it is completely viable. And I talked about this with our guy, George Kurtz, last week on another show. I'd like your thought on this. I think MLB players are also going to look at that schedule and be like, wait a second. I, uh, I got a three-game set in Florida, followed by a three-game set in Atlanta. And coronavirus is spiking in those places. Ooh, my elbow is barking. I might need a 10-day DL stint or IL stint just to avoid going to those two states. And then wait. And then after that is three games at City Field against the Mets. Oh, my elbow is a little bit better. You know, so I say that to mean, you know, Kev, I don't know that there's a hard and fast deadline. I think people will be opting out in the duration. And for baseball, a part of the reason is because the data is ever-changing in these different states that players will have to, you know, four days from whenever, make a road trip to, right? And that is going to be different levels. You like that confidence meter? Well, Kev, I got a different level of confidence if I'm playing a game in Florida or Texas from if I'm playing a game in the state of Pennsylvania right now, right? So I think it becomes fluid, and I think we're going to see opting out back and forth throughout the Major League Baseball season. When we come back, though, we keep our look at the AL Central. We're looking for value here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line where Kevin Walsh and I put the fun and functional sports content five mornings a week from 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time. Kev, I mentioned the uh, Jordan Hicks news because Jordan Hicks is the man that will be trying to close out games for the Cardinals, right, against a lot of NL Central opponents, but against some AL Central opponents as well. We started a preview of the AL Central yesterday. I want to pick back up where we left off yesterday. You know, Kev, we talked about like the White Sox and some of their news around Kopech. We talked about some of the big boys. I want to ask you this. We, we talked about also the strength of schedule, how the central may be a little bit softer, what that means. Still, the Minnesota Twins are the favorites to win this division at minus 130, followed by Cleveland plus 260, the White Sox at around three to one. Then Casey and Detroit are, you know, in everyone's rearview mirror right now, it's 65 to 1 and 80 to 1, respectively. But there is a big time new face in a new place in this division, and it is for the division leaders or, or projected division champion Minnesota Twins, last year's division champions. And it's a name you already mentioned when we were talking about that Braves lineup. Kev, Josh Donaldson has moved over. The Twins already set a record for home runs last year, and Donaldson is only going to help add to that total. Yeah, I mean, this team is loaded. I mean, I think this team is is very justified in their position uh, as a minus-130 favorite to repeat as division winners. Last year, they won 101 baseball games. Uh, prorate that over a 60-game season. That's a 37.4 uh, win pace, which you know is 2.4 off of, if I'm not mistaken, or I guess a full two off their current win total, which I believe, was at 35 and a half. I want, I, yeah, I want to double check that. Check it, no, it was actually yeah. 34 and a half. So, hmm. you know, the Twins are a team, Dana, as I've continued to look through their roster, their lineup. Like, there's a lot to like there for me. They led all of baseball last year, um, not only in, in homers. I mean, they broke the single-season record, for most home runs yep. in a season. Look, it's adjusting to the times, right? You know, the Warriors were bombing threes. Oh, can you win with bombing yep. threes? Like, And, yeah, the answer was yes, right? And yep. I'm like, oh, they strike out all the time. Like, can you win with the long ball? Yeah. Yep. That's what it is. Like, that's 2020 baseball. And they took that and they doubled down and they bring in Josh Donaldson off of, you know, his best year probably since he won the MVP, maybe the year after that. And, you know, you could ask yourself, is it fluky? How true uh, were those Josh Donaldson numbers? And I think there's good reason to believe they were real because not only was it the first time he was healthy, but if you look at some of those underlying analytics that admittedly i i don't know a ton about but i know the fantasy community absolutely adores you know babip and, and things of that nature yeah, yeah, yeah. is probably like most surface level analytic that the, that <laughs> follow it there's a lot to to say that josh donaldson maybe should have done even better last year than those fantastic numbers uh that we just showed you there on the screen so i think that donaldson coming in uh and you know as long as nelson cruz can continue to you know stave off any type of regression and um, Miguel Sano did test positive for COVID. If Miguel Sano is going to, you know, be available for this team, and if Byron Buxton can stay healthy over a sixty-game season, there's just there's a lot to like with this baseball team for me. Yeah, you know, I hear you. They are definitely loaded power-wise outside of Donaldson, right? Nelson Cruz with forty-one last year. Kepler with 36 last year, Sano with 34, Rosario 32, Garver 31. They had five guys hit 30 home runs, okay? That doesn't even count Donaldson coming in. That doesn't count C.J. Crone, Jonathan Scope, and Polanco getting over 20. So the power is definitely there. Here's where I'm going to disagree with you, Kev. I think this team is built for the regular season. That three true outcomes stuff. Yeah, that works great, and they can slug their way during the regular season. In the playoffs, however, when the weather gets colder, okay, when you're facing better pitchers, and, you know, me and Joe Ranieri have a conspiracy theory. I know he likes it right there on the other side of the glass right now, that they Major League Baseball switched out the baseballs last year to bring the home run numbers right back to normal. That would impact a team like the Twins. I think the Twins are a great regular season team where three true outcomes happen, but I don't know that they are built for the playoffs because I'll give you Berrios, but after that, I'm not so sure what they are bringing. That is why maybe for me, the biggest new face for them is not Josh Donaldson, but instead for the Twins, they got Rich Hill in the offseason, and Rich Hill coming from the Dodgers is a guy that, listen, 
trouble staying healthy. When he pitches, he goes like five innings anyway. Anybody in the DFS or fantasy community knows about that. But it sounds like that's what is going to happen for everybody this year in 2020. So it may be moving to the situation where Rich Hill can be very effective. He's always had good stuff, always put up good numbers. The problem is he only gets through the the lineup like twice before a quick hook. I think Rich Hill is going to be almost even more important than Donaldson because they've got all the power they need already. What they need is someone to support Berrios. You know, like, do you care about Oda Rizzi, Pineda, those kind of guys? No, I think they need a boost there. And Rich Hill could be the support there in the number two slot. Yeah, their postseason streak is wild. They've lost 16 straight postseason games, 11 straight home playoff games. Oh, and by the way, of those 16 that they've lost, 13 of them have been to the Yankees. I mean, that's just rude. Oh, I know. I mean, that (laughs) is just rude from the New York Yankees. But you do love to see it. But the thing is, Dane, I think we can still then bet on this team in the regular season. And that's why I look to that win total. That I know this stuff is not apples to apples, right? Last year, projected for 37.4. It's 34.5. Oh, 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 that's that's crazy value. You know, things change. But I think from what I'm saying, from what you're saying, did they get better? It seems like they got better, right? Josh Donaldson and Rich Hill are coming into the fold. And I yeah. also think we're, when we look at that staff, I think it might be the kind of staff, though, that does work pretty well in this truncated season because there's a lot of different arms that they can throw out there. Yes, you know, uh-huh. Berrios will sit at the top of that rotation. But even, you know, Kenta Mayeda, Homer Bailey, right? Even Randy Do- uh, Dobnek. Like, there's just a number of guys that they can throw out there. It's a deep rotation. It's not, a da- is it, it's not super dangerous. It's not, right. you know, the Washington Nationals. But it's enough there, Dane, for us to get over 34 and a half and then bet against them on a series price when we get ourselves to October baseball. No, I think that's an interesting point, right? They have innings eaters. They have serviceable guys. And that's fine in the regular season when you're seeing the Tigers and the Royals and you got a mash unit behind you bombing, right? But then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, when you're in game two or game three of a series, and you're running out that level of starter against a team that has an offense just like that, like Houston or the Yankees, right? But you're staring and you're facing, you know, Zach Grinke or James Paxton or, you know, Tanaka, and you're still trying to run out those guys to match up in game two or three. That becomes the issue. Another new face in this division that I think is very important that I want to get your thoughts on, Kev, here is Dallas Keuchel. Okay, on the Chicago White Sox, and that becomes even more important, in my opinion, with the news that we just heard about Kopech opting out. Remember with the Mets, and we talked about everyone gets bumped up a bit, right? So they still got Giolito, but Keuchel, I think, you know, a veteran guy, performed well after his extended holdout last year. He's going to be key. A lot of people have hopes for these White Sox. I think he's a key new face in a new place in this division. Yeah, he he definitely is. and. We talked about this White Sox team a bit uh, yesterday. It's just, it's almost, the whole thing is new face, new place, right? Yeah. Like, not only Dallas Keuchel, but Yasmani Grandal, Edwin Encarcion, Nomar Mazzara. Like, there's a number of new guys that they brought into the fold here as they look to try and make a push. They're one of those teams that they're, they're going to go for it. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit. There's, there's only so many spots, right? Like, there's yep. still... They're still projected to be third in their own division where you have teams like the A's and the Rays that are in other divisions that are not supposed to win their division but are minus money to be in the postseason. There's, you know, this is one of those teams that would have benefited greatly, Dane, greatly from eight teams getting in. Because unlike the Twins, like Giolito and Dallas Keuchel, I'll take my chances with those guys on the bump, I think, in a a postseason setting, especially Giolito, right? And who knows if Kopech could figure this out, and, and maybe he enters himself into that kind of tier. I think that this might be the team where, again, win total is great. Yes, to make the playoffs, it is a nice plus price. Maybe, you know, Cleveland fades a bit, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk Cleveland a bit here, but I just I feel like maybe this is the team that I, I'm most upset to see not have this eight, uh, eight teams making the playoffs from the American League because I think they might have been the team to benefit the most from it. All right, fair enough. Let me tell you about a bet that I'm going to make for the AL Central. All right, and then I want to hear one of yours, your diamond, your fugazi, a way to play this. I Listen, I am big on this idea that the Central is a little bit of an easier path, right? I talk about the Tigers. I talk about the Royals. In the NL side, you'll have the Pirates. And so I look, who are the aces on these teams that maybe can most take advantage of it? And I look at guys like a Mike Clevenger from Cleveland that you talked about, like a Berrios that you talked about. 
even a guy like Giolito from the White Sox. And I look at the AL Cy Young market. I told you how I'm going to throw out Cole anyway and those favorites, right? A guy like Verlander, they're seeing, you know, uh, the West a lot and the Dodgers lineup even. Trips to Colorado don't make good things for an ERA. So I look at who are the aces that can take advantage, and I might cover them for the AL Cy Young. So I'm looking at Bieber at 7-1, to Clevenger at 9-1, to Berrios at 15-1, to and Giolito at 15 to one. I think one of those three teams, right? Cleveland, Chicago, or Minnesota will win the division. I'm looking at those aces and because of their competition, the lineups they're facing, I think they may have better stats than the Coles, the Verlanders of the world going up against East and West. I may throw a couple of shekels on those studs in the central in the Cy Young market. How are you going to bet the AL central? I I like that a lot, Dane. This is, was a Cleveland team that I was expecting to come on here and say, uh, you know, get him to win the division. This team is going to be loaded. But I think the Indians might be the home of maybe the biggest story on field for this baseball season. And that's what they're going to do with Francisco Lindor. You talk about the Futures Market right. Player Awards. You've got the third best odds win the American League MVP. But they're not going to pay Francisco Lindor. There's been a lot of rumors and uh, wondering about when they could trade him. It just seems inevitable at this point. Their their cap has been going down and down and down, and they have been looking to retool. Like Corey Kluber is not on this team anymore. Uh, for for those right. that don't know, but they are in a very difficult spot here as they try to figure out what to do. Because you obviously, Dan, get a lot more value the sooner you trade Lindor, being able to offer the team that you're trading into multiple postseasons before they could figure out whether they're going to pay Lindor themselves is incredibly valuable. However, if they look to trade Francisco Lindor under these circumstances, they then can only um, bring back players that are a part of the 60-man pool that teams have brought with them. So if teams have not brought a prospect that you're in love with, you're out of luck. You cannot trade for that player. I can't get behind the Indians because I don't know if Francisco Lindor finishes the year with them and it's more reason why I do like the twins to come out of the central. Interesting. No, I hear you. That is very interesting. And also we've talked about it with the crazy condensed schedule and the trading deadline. Will teams see themselves as buyers or sellers? How many trades will actually happen? It's very interesting. We got some young guns and then the twins right there. When we come back hour number two, we turn our attention to Dak Prescott in the NFL. When we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 